Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Manor Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host as always, Ali, and joining me as to, on a regular basis, I don't know why I even introduce you as much anymore, guys, but we've got Dave and Simon. How are we, chaps? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, good, thanks, mate. I, I, I feel like there was very little games this weekend, but looking back at the scores, it was actually almost a full a full fixture list. It just kind of maybe says that we're at that, that stage of the season. We're almost pretty, pretty done in with football by this point. <laughs> I think it's so spread out. Yes. It, it, well, it just seems to be just completely non-stop this season, hasn't it? So it's sort of getting to that draining point. Yeah, um, I, yeah, perfect example. I think the spread out bit that you mentioned, Dave, is the is the the main killer. I mean, there's if you had asked us a few years ago, we'd all love football on every day of the week, but. Now that it actually comes to it, it's, it's it's a bit overwhelming. But I mean, we'll start on the Friday night game um, in a battle of the mid, the higher to mid table teams. Um, Everton coming away with a one 0 win against Arsenal, Dave. I mean, thoughts on this one? Uh, um, I mean, this was dull as dishwater. I find Everton are very dull to watch. I don't know why, because they've got they've got quite a lot of you know flary players. Um, I mean. Arsenal had the better of the game and then Everton had their breakaway and bloody Jay Leno decided to <laughs> bat the ball into his own goal for no real reason and Richarlison was so happy he did a full samba. So it was, I mean, I suppose the only talking point really was uh, the penalty, um, which got over got overturned because of a marginal offside, but it was such a, a soft foul anyway. Like he, I've seen it five or six times and I'm still not convinced he made any contact. Yeah, uh, I mean, Simon, before you, t- you go on to the penalty, I'll let you just bring it up now about your goalkeeper and who Arsenal have kept, because I know it's coming. Yeah, well, I, I, I said it at the time, I said it throughout the season, I'll say it again, I, I cannot for the life of me understand who at that club <laughs> thought Martinez was the keeper to get rid of. I mean, I'd, Leno, even during this sort of first part of last season... I was never convinced that he was anything special. And then when you saw what Martinez did when he came into Arsenal last year and look at what he's done for us this season, like they they must be kicking themselves. And I know if you look at their fans on Twitter, like all of them each week seem to be saying, why on earth did we sell Martinez to a keep hold of Leno? I mean, that that mistake, that's, as far as goalkeeping errors go, that's, that's one of the worst I've seen for a long time. I mean, it was shocking. Yeah, it just seems typical Arsenal, to be fair. He's just kind of, it's what Arsenal breed, that stupidity, the almost arrogance in the way they, they still play. Like They've no right to be arrogant anymore, but 
they still feel the same. I mean, your thoughts on the penalty that, that Dave mentioned as well? Are you in the same camp as Dave? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was never a penalty at all. And then what was even stranger was they gave it for an offside, which I sort of looked at a couple of times and I'm not quite sure how they came to the conclusion that he was offside with that. So <laughs> just, just errors all around with that one, I think, really. But I mean, the fact that that penalty was given in the first place, I thought was, was pretty ridiculous anyway. Yeah, it's a cracking three points for Everton, though. As, as, as you say, Dave, they are very dull to watch. Even at the start of the season, it was a lot of get the ball down the line and, and cross it in almost. But, I mean, they've still got a game in hand, which I believe is against your Villa, Simon. And the, if they beat you guys in the, the game in hand, it takes them level on points with West Ham. Um, can anybody see them as a, I don't, like an outside chance of stepping into the top four? Or do you think that's just too much to happen? I think it's too much. I I think uh, Leicester probably sealed their place in the top four. And I mean, you, I just can't see past Chelsea at the moment uh, taking the final spot. Yeah, Dave's in agreement. I, I just find it really hard to believe they're even st- still in the hunt. They seem to have like a bad result every other week, but somehow <laughs> they're, uh, I say they're uh, uh, within, in with a shout of getting the European places anyway, but I think the top four is out there, reach. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Uh, Arsenal sitting in 10th, um, a point behind Leeds in 9th. Do we say that it's really, that's their only battle now, basically trying to hold off Villa behind them and try and pit Leeds to finish 9th? Can't believe I'm saying that about Arsenal, do I mean, I mean they're, three ga- they're three games away from being in the Champions League next season. They've got two legs against Villarreal and then a final. And if they don't put all their eggs in that basket, they're, they're idiots. Yeah, absolutely. Just right off the league, just save every player for the Europa. Well, I mean, even if they don't, like they've got to make up seven points to seven uh, yeah. in five games. I mean, it just you wouldn't bat on it, would you? So, I think uh, they've got to go for that Europa League. Absolute all all guns blazing. It would almost benefit them, Simon, as well, not to be in Europe next year. You know, if they're not getting the Champions League, don't qualify for Europe. You know, have a year out of it. If they're going to get behind Arteta. Just give him those games where he's not playing midweek every, you know, so often, and let him train the players and the way he was meant to come in to really coach them. Yeah, I mean, if we'll just look at how their league form has been this season with the Europa League campaign. I mean, it's they've they've not been able to cope with it. So obviously, if you can, if they can get into the Champions League, which I think it would be a travesty if that team were playing in the Champions League next season. But yeah, that's it's either for them or in. Champions League or or just finish mid-table and, and just have a, a year off from Europe next year because I don't I don't think another Europa League campaign is going to do them any good at all. No, I agree. Dave, are you, I, I mean, it's different for both of your teams, but as Arsenal, do you think it'd be better to either be obviously Champions League for the finance or just completely out of Europe for a season? <laughs> well, I suppose their argument would be the Europa League is probably their best route in the Champions League, really. Um as, as odd as it is, you know, that you almost fancy them to go on a run there than get in the top four, which is how it's, how it's played out this season. But it's uh, they're, they're a club in, in need of severe surgery. And I think, I don't know, I feel like Arteta's time's already running out. Um, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they got rid of him in the summer if they don't win the, the Europa League. Yeah, even if they win it, I could see it. I, I don't think the, the fans are right behind them. Um, and the, the club at the top has been a mess for for many years, so I, I kind of have some sympathy for them in a way, but it's also Arsenal and yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, 
But we'll, we'll move on to the Saturday game. Um, Darling, you'll get to, to lay out for a bit because I feel me and Dave will take up a, a bit of time here. I'm, I'm happy to just sit back and let you guys thrash this one out. <laughs> yeah, so we had Liverpool 1, Newcastle 1. Uh, Dave, I'll let, you, I'll let you start on this one because um, mine could get a bit a bit brutal on, on the Liverpool team here. Well, I mean, you look at it two ways, really. I mean, firstly, I mean, it's a, it's a great point for us. I didn't expect to get it, but um, it could have been more. It also could have been less. Um, you had enough chances to win the game several times over. Um, at the same time, though, I feel we had enough positions to win the game. We just made very bad choices at times, especially in the first half. You know, that one where um, Sam Maxman played through Almiron and Joel at the same time, and they sort of yes. ran into each other. Um, kind of some things up a bit, but um, it was a strange game. Uh, I'll get your view on, the, you know, from, from a Liverpool point of view in a minute. But um, it seemed like there was a game we played like without a midfield for the most part for, for me, the team. <laughs> yes, it's like a basketball game. It was a bit. It was very watchable. You know, I'm sure that neutrals enjoyed it. Um, but. Uh, as soon as I saw Wilson's shot, it hit his hand. I knew it was going to be disallowed. I know people are upset about it, but I mean, it's been the rule for about three years now. Like it was just, it was inevitable. It was going to be disallowed as soon as it it, it, it hit his arm. And I don't agree with the rule, but I mean, that is the rule. So, um, okay. so what what can you do? And what I would say, absolutely brilliant. Uh, he's so watchable. Um, you know, we can get beat 6 0 if he plays and, and just plays with a freedom like he has been doing. It it makes it all the uh, all the easier on the easier to watch. But the difference between when he doesn't play and when he does play is so so huge. Um, you know, you 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 really hope that we get good players around him and you know we can build a team a little bit. hundred percent. I I sat the whole first half. The first half is what I watched. You know, like fooling in, full on. I was on my lunch break at the time. The second half was more in and out, but uh, St. Maximum was just, it was just such a joy to watch. He, he had whoever was near him, like almost on toast. You know, he's he's just he's almost like a. It reminds me of when I used to watch JJ Acocha. He plays with such a free will. Um, like nothing about him is routine. If that makes sense, you know, just very instinctual player. Very. Like not obviously on the on the, the level wise and ability, but very Suarez esque the way he played. You know the quick turning, the drop of the shoulder, but just nothing I felt was routine. Um, this this game, as you mentioned, could have been any score. Um, my biggest worry was when Wilson coming on because you were creating chances in the first half. I feel if Wilson played the first half, he's probably depending on how many chances we took. Um, but that could have been like a, a five four first half. It was just ridiculous. Um, I, I just don't know how many chances we need to miss now. Um, I don't know what's happened to Manny. Manny has literally turned into Divacarigi. No, oh, he's been well and truly space jammed. Like it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, sad, it's, it's sad to see. Uh, um, do you know what? It would be sad to see, but he just keeps smiling after every muck up, and it's, <laughs> it's just angering me more and more. Like the, the first <laughs> offer we take, we get, I would take. Um, my my biggest my biggest takeaway from all this, and and Liverpool fans will really not like it, and I've said it for a while about questioning Klopp, right? And there was no one, with, and, I, and I still stand by. I don't know who we would get instead, but serious serious questions need to be asked on Klopp. Klopp is a great manager, but a great man manager, passionate, his in game tacticalness is 
borderline mediocre because he's clueless when it comes to either making changes, setting up. The, it's just the same. We used to criticise Arsene Wenger for playing that four-three-three, no matter who he plays. Klopp's doing the same. We're, we're playing a fifty-yard high line. We slow defenders. <laughs> we got away with it when we got Van Dijk because he can make up half the pitch in five strides. It's just, it's just ludicrous taking Thiago off um, and then complaining that we couldn't pass a ball. Yet Thiago had just plodded about the whole game, passing the ball forward. That's why we created so many chances. Not seen by any means Thiago's come in and set the world alight, but he's very efficient. And I, I don't understand why we sign defenders to not put them in the squad. It doesn't matter how bad they are. They can't be that bad in training if we're signing them. They play Fabinho there. They can't win a game with Fabinho at centre-half. We never lose when he plays midfield. Like, I think you've mentioned at loads, Dave, about of all the injuries... Not having Fabinho in midfield, the one that's actually killed us, and it's tried and tested. As you say, there was no midfield. That first half was embarrassing for both teams for midfield. Yeah, yeah. It was literally one pass, and both teams were through and goal. Well, it was mad as well because I mean, certainly several times you know Shelby got the ball and he wasn't pressed, so he was able to play the ball over the top. And I mean, anyone who's watched us recently knows that if you press Shelby, he, he, he panics because he's not quick enough yeah. to you know to think about it. But if you give him time, he's one of the best ball players in the division. If you just give him the ball, and there's no one around him. Absolutely. Oh, um, that ball he put through for Longstaff, for example, you know, probably should have made more of it. But um, in the second half, I don't know if you noticed this, but when we were chasing the game, we actually ended up playing Shelby as a centre back um, as part of the back three, so just so he had more space to ping the ball over the top because your, your, your defensive line was ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, and I mean, unfortunately for us, Wilson was offside three or four times doing it. But you could see the game plan was there to try and spring him over the top. Yeah. Um, but as you say, Klopp didn't react to it. I mean, he brought on Milner, um, which I thought shut Sam Ashman out of the game for a little bit of time. Um, be, I mean, it seems to be the new thing now where people lay a reducer on Sam Ashman within minutes of, of meeting him. Um, <laughs> I mean, he, the poor lad is bandaged up to say the least. Like he's. Uh, Probably a, a strong wind away from another injury, but uh, he, you know, he, somehow we got back up and, and ended up. Well, I say assisting the goal. The goal didn't count, and I suppose it wouldn't have been an assist because it got saved. But you know what I mean. He was. Uh, yeah. He found the found that little pocket of space to play the pass. But um, I'm very very surprised how he handled that last ten minutes. It wasn't uh, wasn't the way I'd expect a top team to manage a game. Like you wouldn't see that from some teams. I don't think. There was there was no. I think the 78th minute. I think was when Thiago came off. Um, for Curtis Jones, you know, so we're trying to hold on to a lead at this point, and we're meant to be shot and shot. Hence the Milner sub, you know, to try and calm it down. Yeah, we bring. Up, I love Curtis Jones, but he's an attacking midfielder. <laughs> like, it's just nonsense. Klopp's loyalty to certain players um, over over others is baffling. It's been the same throughout his tenure. He'll, he's very ruthless with some, and some will say rightly so over players like Sacco. Um, who else was it got just exiled from the team right away yet he's loyal it's other players like Lovren um, Origi for a while obviously until this year Firmino and Mane has been the way they have been handled it's just it's just baffling um, I just I just, I just don't understand it I, what I will say I, I was delighted that you guys got the point in the end uh, I think I messaged you right after the game Dave um, that ensures your safety and and I'm, I'm delighted for that. I'm not so delighted if it means you just keep Steve Bruce because I don't think I could handle another year of you having to, having to discuss <laughs> every Sunday or Monday whenever we record. But um, I think 
we, we spoke about it just before the international break and you were obviously quite worried. It just shows how important these players being back, not just playing, but to the other players as well. It just gives them that bit more confidence and almost a bit more freedom in their play. Um, I, I do feel I could see St Maximum getting offers coming in for him, whether you guys would sell him, but he must be high up on a lot of teams in the Premier League's radar um, because when he's fit, as you say, he's, he's up there with the best in the league. Yeah, I think there's a few different fans of clubs I've seen knocking around on Twitter who are quite keen to buy him. Um, I mean, obviously they don't make decisions, but you can understand most teams want them in their in their, t- in their squads. Um, I don't think we'll sell them, but, <laughs> but you just don't know with us, unfortunately. Um, I guess we'd have to wait and see what happens. But again, it all depends on what happens in in the boardroom. I think, to be honest, I think if we get taken over. Um, yes, he has. He has no real reason to leave, to be honest, because the wealth the wealth we'd have is incredible. If it, you know, if it goes to plan, but uh, again, we've been waiting for this for so long now. We're starting to wonder <laughs> if, it'll ever, if it'll ever happen. Yeah, I mean, Simon, I'll, I'll bring you in this right after this. But what I'll say, and again, I'm, I messaged you about it, Dave. Just sit maximums like posts on Twitter are brilliant. Just such a nice guy. A Liverpool fan tweeted him asking to. Um, to get rid of Manny and bring in St Maximum instead to replace him. And uh, his only answer was, up. whilst I know this is a compliment, but come on, after everything done for you, get a grip. It just That's, that's top quality professionalism, you know what I mean? That's just showing, showing that fan up right away. Because that could have been one that he could quite simply ignore, but I thought that was quite a nice touch as well. Uh, Simon, for yourself, I mean, must have been brilliant for you to just sit and watch as a neutral. Yeah, it was uh, good fun <laughs> from from a neutral point of view. Um, so, I mean, like you guys have already said, the, the first half, really, Liverpool probably should have been out of sight. Um, but fair play to Newcastle. I mean, I, I, you know, a few months, a couple of months ago, I sort of looked at them and I just couldn't see how they were going to stay up because... Oh, we know, it's OK. It, but, <laughs> I mean... It wasn't that just that they weren't picking up results, but the players looked like they'd sort of had no fight in them and they looked like they'd given up. But I mean, somehow, whether it's whether it is Bruce has got has got them going or whether they've just, you know, decided to be a bit more professional and, and do it for themselves, but they've picked some results up. I mean, to uh from the position that they were in, and certainly the, the first half of that game, it, it could have they could have quite easily just sort of fallen away because they weren't expected to get anything uh, from that game. But those sort of last ten minutes, so really went at them, and you know, obviously the goal you've sort of covered the disallowed goal, you've covered that. I, I just wonder if there was an argument of a possible penalty with that, with uh, Trent pushing Wilson in the back as as he went to shoot, but I suppose it didn't matter in the end because uh, a few minutes later, uh, Dwight Gale, the smallest man on the pitch, managed to win a towering header for Joe Reddick to stick it away. It's absolutely mad, isn't it? But I, I mean, I do agree that he was pushed, Wilson, on the uh, on disallowed goal, but as we've seen many times now, if you don't go down, you're not going to get yeah. a decision, um, rightly or wrongly, which we'll probably debate all night. But um, It depends whose team it's for. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, if it had been the other way around, probably would have been given. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not, not getting into this one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think, like, like you guys have said, I mean, to be honest, I think even before that game, I think Newcastle had 
put enough distance between themselves and the bottom three. But uh, yeah, there's there's no way they're going to go down this season now. But it'll be interesting, like you were saying, next year what will happen to them because the fact that they've stayed up and unless there is some sort of takeover, can you honestly see Mike Ashley sacking him? I, no, I don't see that happening. Absolutely not. No, I mean, if you're going to, if you're not going to sack him when you get beat three 0 away at Brighton without barely leaving a, glo- a glove on them, leaving us whatever it was, point us to the bottom three at the time. I can't remember what yeah. it was now, but if you're not going to sack him over that, when will you sack him? There's absolutely no chance of that. So, I think as long as Ashley's in that in the in charge, Steve Bruce is, is his dream of a manager because he he won't get with us. He's got pretty much zero leverage because he's you know this is the best job he's probably ever going to get. Um. It's supposedly his dream job, so he's not going to leave of his own accord. Uh, he'll be there forever if Ashley's there forever. Like it's just unless he leaves in a body bag, like there's no way he'd leave. Like it's just fans will be back next season. There's a possibility of that. Well, <laughs> thing is, though, we've seen before. Like it won't bother Ashley. It could be fifty thousand in there screaming for his blood. Wouldn't he'll be a million miles away. He will not care less. Uh, uh, this has always been the problem with Newcastle is that unless fans stop going and stop you know, giving them money yeah. nothing will happen and it's no good 10,000 not going it's no good even 20,000 not going it needs to be pretty much an empty stadium before you'll take any notice and think well maybe my time here is up yeah, unfortunately that will just never happen in today's game um, I mean yeah Newcastle are safe now boys was that Liverpool's last chance to, to even kind of impose in that top four I think they've made it very, very difficult for themselves. I mean, um, how many points are there? Are these like one or two points off fourth? Four. Four. Oh, four, wow. four I didn't realise it was that much. Yeah, that's. You think that's going to be tough to make, especially with the form that Liverpool have been in. Certainly, the second half of the season, you just you wouldn't you wouldn't fancy them to to do that. Not for well, me, anyway. Well, the only hope really is that Chelsea's running. Obviously, bearing in mind they've also got a Champions League semi-final to juggle. They've got to go to Man City. Yeah. They've got a well. They've got Arsenal. Doesn't really count. They've got a home <laughs> play, play at home to Leicester, and they've got to play some team from Birmingham on the last day of the season. <laughs> so that's a gimme, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, it depends if Grealish is back or not, doesn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's not. It's not an easy running. I think your running is better on paper, uh, Ali. But uh, is it enough to make up four points? Possibly I- not. I don't know, but what I, what I will add is when a few months ago, when we were doing this podcast, Liverpool beat Crystal Palace seven <laughs> nil. We were eight eight points clear of Man City, who were in ninth. Um, and now look at the table. Um, Jesus, yeah, absolute bullshit. Um, anyway, next up on the Saturday was the game that for me killed the top four chances after this result. Um, Chelsea coming away with a one 0 win at West Ham, Simon. Yeah, a, a very, very, very rare Timo Werner goal. Yeah, um, yeah, that was you know, a decent enough goal for him as well, having gone so long without one. Um, I thought Chelsea were, were pretty good, actually. I thought um, West Ham just just didn't really... I, well, for me, they, they didn't really get looking in that game. I thought Chelsea pretty much in control of it. Uh, Werner obviously got his goal and then immediately has embarked on another goal drought because he missed an absolute sitter after that in that game and in the uh, Champions League game tonight as well he missed an, an even worse sitter so he's back to uh, his usual self but um, no, I thought it was a very 
very good performance from Chelsea. And the, the difference that a proper manager has made to that team, I mean, you can just see the, the squad that they had should have always been in the top four. So now they've got a proper manager in there. They're, they're sort of doing what you'd expect of them. I suppose the big talking point from the game was the absolutely ridiculous red cards that was given, which has now been rescinded. But I mean, I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to hear someone try and justify the expert, how on earth, having gone and looked at it again, how the referee possibly came to the conclusion that that was a red card. I mean, it, it should really be like an automatic ban when you give a you give a red card on review, which then gets overturned on appeal. <laughs> like, yeah. As a professional, that's like being told, well, you know what? You did this, and we'll look at it, and you're actually totally wrong. Like, there's not even an ounce of doubt that we can keep that as a red card, so it's been overturned. So, it's uh, it's one of the worst decisions of the season. Quite, I mean, uh, well, he kicked the ball, and he put his foot down, and he can't go anywhere else with his foot. Yeah. Like, and... Uh, it's it's a bit like the Sochek one earlier in the season, who obviously it was a different kind of foul, but absolutely everybody to a man said that's not a red card, except <laughs> except except a guy sat, sat, sat in front of a TV screen making a decision, and I just well, I just what, don't understand. What was even more ridiculous was was it a couple of minutes later when um, Vladimir Kufal did basically exactly the same <laughs> yes. thing, and it wasn't even looked at. So I mean that's. That just uh, sums up how how ridiculous these things are getting now. The only thing I can add to the red card was I've only seen stills, and the the stills, as always, look horrendous. Um, so I've seen like three stills back to back. It's all it, co- it's it's context, Ali. Like yeah, you know, yeah that's what if you look at the, if you look at the still, yeah, I mean, fair enough, he's caught him quite high, but when you're kicking a ball in the first place. It's a contact sport. Those things are going to happen. It's unfortunate, right? And the guy wasn't wasn't particularly injured, as far as I know, anyway. Um, and it's just it's just one of those things that happens. It's like it happens probably a hundred times a game, really, but probably with less force. Like it's just bound to happen when you've got twenty-two players trying to you know kick and clear and tackle and whatever else is going on. Like not every bit of contact's a foul. Yeah, no, I agree. As I say, that's why I mentioned it was just stills. That's all I could add on that one. Um, stills doesn't matter what challenges you could make any still. Well, I think that's the worst thing at all, Ali. Like it wasn't even a challenge. He was clearing the ball. Like he he was in possession. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to dig out the video for it and, and try and have a look at it. Um, uh, it's, it's awful. It's honestly it's so bad. I mean, Dave, you mentioned that Chelsea's Chelsea's running, which is quite tight. Um, I'm not sure if any of you know what West Ham's is, but obviously there's three points between them and, and Chelsea now. Again, with the gap. <laughs> Obviously, West Ham are, are are very unlikely to win the remaining five games. Um, do we feel Chelsea have probably just about done enough with that win? I think so, but like like I said, like the kind of great level is this Champions League run they're on. Also, an FA Cup final as well to factor in. So true enough. Yep. But I mean, they've got the squad for it. Let's be honest, and uh, they're kind of like the bigger the game, the better they are. I get that that feeling with them. Like they've played really well tonight in Madrid. They played really well against Man City in the semi-finals of the of the cup. Um, it's uh, you know they've got the the mentality for these these big fixtures. West Ham's running is actually not that bad. I mean they got Burnley away at the weekend. Um, it's your Monday night game for some reason. Oh, did you see Burnley at the weekend? We're just about to come on. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, 
someone test Chris Wood's piss. I mean, that was incredible. <laughs> um, uh, they've then got Everton, who, I mean, God only knows which Everton will turn up for that. Uh, they've got Brighton, same same theory, Brighton, which one will turn up? Yeah. Uh, West Brom away, he'll be relegated by then, and then Southampton at home, who could win or lose 9-0, we just don't know. <laughs> so... I'm not sure they're winning right now. I'm not going to lie, Dave. I just I don't, don't think I've got it. Well, I mean, on West Ham and Moyes, I mean, yet again, they've come into this, you know, potentially season-defining fixture against a big club, yeah. and they just haven't turned up. Like, yeah. other than Lingard having a speculative volley, which went pretty close, that was pretty much as good as it got them. I know the red card killed them for the last five minutes, whatever it was, but they um, they hadn't really looked like scoring for before that. Yeah, it's, it's been their it's been their biggest Achilles heel this season. We've spoken about it many times, you know, when they come up against a, a a rival, shall we say, in league positions, they they kind of choke a little bit. And it kind of, I mean, not to take away a great season, um, and but as you mentioned, Dave, Chelsea's Chelsea's big games this year have been under Tuchel anyway. Have been, you know, just perfectly planned tactically. Not been not always been the best to watch, although they were a bit better against West Ham, but. Generally, just just very effective. Um, I'm not really sure if we want to talk about the last game of the Saturday. Um, Sheffield United have ruined my predictor by saying they wouldn't get another point <laughs> the rest of the season um, and re- ruined a couple of people's bets, I believe, in a betting corner. So, uh, Sheffield United won Brighton nil. Dave, I mean, much to add in it or? Uh, no, it was uh, it was just awful. I mean, I watched it, but. It's, it's probably in the top 10 worst Saturday nights I've ever had. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, there was just nothing good about us. Brighton did what they always do, kind of huff and puff and pass the ball around neatly. And Sheffield United scored uh, through David McGoldrick, which tells you everything you need to know. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, Simon, much to, much to add. Or... Uh, well, I... But knew that this is well. I was fairly sure this was going to be a shit game, so so I spent my Saturday night watching a very good film instead. Um, I'd say the one thing with that result is, although okay, there's a seven point gap between Brighton and Fulham, so you you would expect, and I still do think Brighton will be okay. But that was a game that they'd have looked at and thought, you know, we'll we'll pick up three points here, and that will confirm our safety. I think they'll they might have a nervous end to the season. Just look in the last five games. They've got Leeds next, which I mean, you know, you, you really don't well, because the thing is with both those teams, you don't know which one's gonna turn up. <laughs> then they've they've got Wolves, which okay, Wolves aren't in any great state. So that's that's not the worst game for them. Then the last three games have got uh West Ham, Man City, and then they finish the season at Arsenal. So <clears throat> the games that you look at some of them and you think they could win them, but I mean, this is the story of Brighton season, isn't it? They tend to play well and they, and they don't win. And so I, th- I think they may just be okay because seven points is, is a big gap to try and make up with just five games. But I think they might be a little bit nervous going into the uh, the final stretch. I think there's a chance of them going down, Dave? Uh, I don't think so, but... I wouldn't be upset if they did. Like, I kind of, you know, they're infuriating, really. I mean, I watched a three-minute video during the week of uh, how Graham Potter played the goalkeeper Sanchez as like a right centre back when in possession to um, to maximise space against Chelsea. And I was like, great, you drew nil-nil. Like, 
why? Who's making this shit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've seen much, much worse. Um, the, the Southampton videos last year were just brutal. It, despite their good results, it's just it was so hard to watch all this nonsense going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, we'll come on to Sunday morning, Dave. Well, early kickoff. Uh, I'm going to let you start with this one, just knowing how much you love Burnley um, and their, shall we say, boringness normally. Um, Wolves now Burnley four, Dave. I mean, Wolves should be ashamed of themselves. Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you lose four nil at home at Burnley? Uh, I, I mean, the good bits, Chris Wood. I, I, I can't remember if I said this the week or not, but I was thinking it. But I, I was. Chris Wood could play at a much higher level than Burnley. Like his, I don't know the stats, but his his shots to to goals ratio must be pretty pretty high because he doesn't exactly get great service at Burnley. But he is, and I, this is a fact because I read it. He's one of four strikers to have scored more than ten Premier League goals in the last four seasons consecutively. Oh, it's not bad for a player at Burnley. It's not, is it? Like that's what you've got to bear in mind. Um, so he took his goals well. Fair play to him. Um, but Wolves were absolutely atrocious from start to finish and deserved everything they got. Um, I looked on Twitter and uh, some of the Wolves fans are starting to turn on old Nuno, which I was surprised at. Uh, I, to, to be fair, I, I generally was waiting on this. I, um, I, I'm not 100% sure if it's, if it's fair as such, but it's been abysmal for, for Wolves this season. And I don't know how much he is to blame, but... I mean, they'll know better better than us, but it's I mean, borderline borderline pathetic from Wolves this season. Well, I mean, the narrative's always been, oh, well, you know, when Jimenez is back, everything's going to be better, but <laughs> it's not going to stop them conceding four goals and want to burn them. Like, <laughs> like, there's no cure for that. Like, that's just... That's just Sean Dyche, though. Like, that's, oh. you know, imagine Sean Dyche in the Wolves job with those players and that money. Oofed. I mean, they'd all be sold. <laughs> like they'd be replaced replaced by hard work and Ashley Westwood um, but here's a thought, something popped into my head what if uh, Wolves sack or replace Nuno with everyone's favourite Portuguese manager Jose Mourinho well, it's, it's very possible isn't it? I mean again, again without getting us into legal bother I'm fairly sure he has the same agent as at least some of his some of those players it's, it's some of them you mean all of them? <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it George Mendes that pretty much runs Wolves? Oh, I think so. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just, I just think that. I mean, that if he'd if he'd lure himself to go to Wolves, I think uh, it's almost inevitable, isn't it? Like, I mean, I, I think it'd be daft to get rid of Nuno. I think he probably deserves deserves a bit more of a chance to put it right. It's probably the first real dip they've had in the, in the whole time he's been there, but. Uh, they look a bit rudderless at the minute. Like they've got, they've got no plan, and uh, they don't seem to know whether they want to play a three or a four at the back. Um, they've got a few players who seem to be past their best, shall we say? I think, I think Moutinho's probably, you know, he must be thirty-five now, is he? he you know, he's, he's getting on a fair whack. Um, I think that that those centre halves. Connor Cody doesn't look as good in a two by any means. I think he was, you know, fairly pretty good in a three, but in a two doesn't look the same player. Um, Bolly was either pissed or insane on Sunday morning because <laughs> he he did nothing right. Uh, Samedo is is okay, but 
doesn't really contribute an awful lot going forwards compared to what they've had previously. And then they seem to have a load of random youth, like it Nui played left back, seems okay, but again, very inexperienced. Um, Neto, we like uh, Scandinavian Pavalio, but he's injured. Um, Pedence looked incredible for a few weeks. I don't know what happened to him. Like he didn't seem to do anything anymore. Uh, and then obviously young, young Fabio Silva, who they don't play because they loaned a striker who they play instead, who's not going to be in there next season. Explain <laughs> that. I I, I kind of feel sorry for that Silva boy, you know, coming in because he's young as well, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He's only eighteen, I think. Um, yeah. I, think he was, I think he was seventy when they got him, and uh, he scored a couple of you know nice goals, well taken goals. Um, but he's only going to get better by playing, and I don't think getting twenty minutes here and there is going to help. I mean, there's always the the conundrum of what what do you do with Adama Traore, who were, were another season on without knowing what he does best, like other than run really quickly. Um, do you play him at right wing back? Do you play him right wing? Do you play him up front? Do you play him left wing? Because Nuno doesn't seem to know. Yeah, it's it's a concern completely, Simon. I mean, I mean your thoughts on Wolves in general, um, and yeah, can you solve the Adama uh, conundrum? Uh, well, on Adama personally, if you got offered a good trade for him in the summer, I'd get rid of him because I I think we like to think that there's a player there because he's so quick and he can produce a bit of skill every now and again. But you look at his number for winger. His numbers in terms of goals and assists are just they're so they're so bad for for what he should be producing when you look at some of the qualities he's got. So personally, I, I'd get rid of him if, if you got a decent fee. Um, Wolves in general, it's just been a been a poor season for them, hasn't it? There's no way of dressing it up. I think in the summer, obviously they they sold um, Doherty and Jota. I just haven't really replaced them properly. I mean, Samedo, whenever I've seen him, I've, I've not been particularly impressed, to be honest. I, I think I remember seeing him at Barcelona back in the last season. I thought he looked a decent enough player going forwards, but he hasn't really offered them much of that this year. And defensively, he looks a bit of a shambles, to be honest, every time I've seen him. Um, so that hasn't worked out. And obviously, the, the injury to Jimenez is, is massive. I mean, you shouldn't be relying so much on one player, but teams like that are. I mean, look at us with Grealish. Since our best player's gone, it makes such a big difference to the way we played, and that's what's happened with Wolves. And I think with that silver, obviously they signed him. Um, we, you know, they spent a lot of money on him, but obviously Jimenez is the main man, and I think they would have liked to have maybe used him a bit more sparingly throughout the season. But having said that, that William Jose, I think it is, who they brought in on loan in January. Every time I've seen him, he looks shit. So, so I don't know what I, I don't know why he's getting game time ahead of Fabio Silva. Okay, yeah, he might be young. He probably doesn't. Well, he's not got the same physical attributes that that Jimenez has. So he you'd have to slightly adapt to the way that you play if you're playing him as the uh, the main striker through the middle. But as Dave said, he's, he's he scores like a few decent goals. He looks like a, a tidy little player. Young, makes mistakes, which you'd expect. But there's definitely a, a talent there. So I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't had more game time, um, especially considering him and his injury. But um, I think Wolves, I think in the summer, they might need a bit of a clear out of that squad, to be honest. I mean, yeah. Connor Cody, 
had a very good first two seasons in the Premiership, but he's looked really poor this season. And, and not just in the back four, even when they have reverted back to the three, he's not looked, not looked at it at all. So I think a bit of work needs to go on there in the summer. Yeah, uh, do you not feel they're just maybe burnt out? You know, the the season in the Championship, we all know how many games you know, are involved. They had the two two Europa League spells, one, um, but they had two two seasons where they were playing fifty games as well. And Nuno tends to play like the same fourteen players, even when you know, even when everybody's fit. So definitely takes its toll out of them. Dave. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember when the maybe when the first got promoted, they made a big deal of that. You know, you play the same team for like twelve consecutive games, like well. Well done, but they're all shagged by March, so it's, you know, yeah. they need to, I don't know, it, it seems like if they don't have the players and he wouldn't change the team, but they um, they seem to have a lot of very average players now. At, uh, as I said earlier, like, they've got players who, who fit in a certain system, but, you know, they've been playing like Neves and Moutinho as a, as a midfield too. Yeah, and, neither, and, and neither of them have particularly, you know, great physical attributes, you know, very, very good technically, but... It just there seems to be a massive gap between the midfield and their forwards all the time. It's just as as a midfield too. That's just not mobile enough for Premier League football, is it? I don't think so. And uh, I think they've, they've tried putting Dendonka in there as a three. And Dendonka is a you know very tidy player. I quite like him, but uh, I, I'm not sure he's like a attacking midfield type. Is he? He's played centre back a few times. Like it's. You know, you wouldn't really want to be relying on to, to solve your midfield conundrum. So you would think, and you know, Portugal's a rich country for flary midfielders, but surely at least one of them can run. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe just look for an English player, because no, <laughs> you could maybe find one that could run about. Um, that's enough on wheels, though, Dave. I, I feel you're not given. Um, I, know. I, 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 I try, try to deflect away from. Uh, <laughs> From the real success story. No, I mean, I mean, fair, fair play to Burnley. They, um, they, they did what they needed to do, and they did it very well. Um, they got down the sides of Wolves a lot, and um, you know, gave Wood the chance to score. And Vidra had a few chances. You know, they, they could have had more than forty crowns with you. Like this, they, they could have had a, an absolute hatful. Um, they were very, very good, and Wolves were very, very poor. So um, it was kind of the perfect day for them. And you know, it's taken them from something like seventeenth to thirteenth or fourteenth. So yeah, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, I mean, Simon, this is the result we've always spoken about the last few weeks about, you know, Burnley just they will always have enough and you, you never quite felt worried for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, I, I think we've kind of said on, on numerous occasions, haven't we, that they they never seem to go through, they, they always seem to like lose or not play well, but they always seem to be quite comfortable in the league. It's, it's, it's very weird how, how Burnley operate, but yeah, I think we were talking last week, weren't we, when they were sitting 17th at the end of last weekend, and I don't think anyone felt they're going to go down because it's just... I mean, Sean Dyche, it's testament. I mean, you and me, Ali, have been oh, big fans I'm... of him for a while, haven't we? I think, you know, what the job he does with that team, because I, mean, they've, I think they've got a couple of decentish players actually I think you, you know they don't play the best football but Chris Woods as you say is a is a good player Lois you know certainly a, a decent Premier League striker Dwight McNeil is a good player even someone like Ashley Westwood okay he's nothing special but he's a tidy little foot do you know what I mean like he, 
he keeps the ball ticking around well as well as being a hard worker. So, but even having said that, I don't, I'm not sure if any other manager would be able to consistently keep that team as a competitive Premier League club. I mean, so you've just got to take your hat off to Sean Dyche. The job he does there year in, year out on such a limited budget is quite incredible, really. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm six more points away if you're asking him to, to take over the Liverpool job. <laughs> 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 but no, it's serious. As I said, I've been a fan of, fan of Dyche for a while. Um, much to Dave's dismay, much to Dave's dismay, sometimes I feel. Um, but yeah, you've got it spot on, Simon. There's just not many managers, if any, who could keep this Burnley team up the way the way Dyche has. And I mean that four 0 win, which is very uncharacteristic, and I'm sure Dyche is sitting very unhappy um, Monday morning. Uh, did, did any of you see? Um, there was there's like a picture going around on Twitter. with Burnley were like four 0 up, obviously, and they're going into the last few minutes, and they're holding the ball in the corner. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I just, I just love it, you know. And and Dyche <laughs> comes across as a great guy as well. He, he really does. I mean, I can imagine him being like a a proper Tory. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but but he just seems like a nice one, you know. He's just he's just one of those. Um, well, I don't really want to talk about the next game, but I'll let leave it to you, Simon. Leeds nil, United nil. Um, can I pass this one over tell today? Tell you, tell you what, you're very brave saying Leeds nil, United nil. I mean, that's the type of thing to get you get you slapped. Saying uh, <laughs> it's more than one United, Ali. Don't get don't get oh, four. Don't you fall in this trap? Oh. I I the game I. I, I didn't watch the game. I, I was out playing golf Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, honestly, I, I watched the game and wish I'd been out playing golf. It was. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got, honestly, I watched this and I was in a really bad mood afterwards because I I, I, I I expected to have goals and it's almost like a rule that if Leeds play, I want to see nine goals spread between the two teams. <laughs> I, want, I want to see ruthless counter-attacking football from a team who's overcommitted time and time again and I saw none of that and it really annoyed us. It was cra- it was that was garbage. Like there was barely anything to talk about. Luke, Luke Shaw might have handballed it in the first half, but he didn't. So I, I, yeah, I, I did see that. I saw. I can't remember who was it. It was, might have been Adam in the group saying that's handball in my opinion. I looked at it and I'm sorry. I don't see how anyone can look at that and think that that was a, a the handball worthy of a penalty. It was that was nothing. But I'm just going to add there quickly. Adam is an FA trained referee. We we speak about the FA referees' decisions weekly. I'll let you I'll let you put that together. Well, so didn't that say it all? <laughs> but um, well, one thing I would say about Leeds, to be fair, the last few weeks, and you know, obviously the start of the season, we'd always say, oh, you've no idea what's going to come with Leeds. They're, you know, they're so gun and all disciplines. It's fair. The last few weeks, I've actually tightened it up at the back. It's it has taken a bit of the attacking emphasis away from them. So I mean. It's, I don't know, it's, what, what do you want? Do you want them to be tight at the back but not as exciting going forward? Or would you rather them be how they were the first six months of the season? But I suppose it shows, it answers the questions any, you know, some people had of Bielsa can only do it one way. He, you know, he, they have they have improved a lot defensively, I think, over the last couple of weeks. I'm going, to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say none of us are Leeds United fans. Are you Leeds United, Dave? Um, no, I, I think... Uh... 
onside point there. They've obviously got a lot of the defenders back now, and it's probably easy to forget they, they were literally missing most of the centre halves for a good chunk of the season. So yeah, fair probably, point. Yeah. Probably probably played a part in them being a bit more expansive, just saying, "Well, we're not going to we're not going to win if we yeah just sit back and wait to concede." So yeah, fair play. I mean. It's a bit odd waiting until you're safe to, to, to put the handbrake on, but <laughs> <laughs> but why not? It's been a great season for me, though, isn't it? I mean, the sitting currently ninth, I think it is, maybe eighth, um, ahead of Arsenal again. Arsenal had a terrible season, but just just been wonderful to. They've been a joy to watch, for right or wrong, for, for Leeds fans. I'm sure they've loved it as well, probably wishing they were in the stadium, well, even given the, the gung honus, but. I think some yeah. of the some, some of the some of the shit they've had to watch over the last fifteen years. I think they'll they'll take the odd person in the Premier League level like to, yeah. to be ninth in the table. I think it's uh, I think it's all right with them. It's, it's a good job they're not burnt out yet and, and they're, they're, <laughs> they're hanging in there. Uh, last game of the Saturday then because we'll just move on quickly from there because nobody seems to care. Um, <laughs> and Leeds aren't going aren't going to go anywhere. Um, Aston Villa two, West Brom two. Simon, what this is pathetic. You're giving this one a chance to stay up. Um, without Grealish, uh, this is you're finding it hard. To, you're turning into Crystal Palace here. Well, I mean, um, did did you watch the game, Ali? No, behave yourself. Okay, so it, looking at the results, then I'd say that you had to point to what you just said there. The game itself, like. I think we, we should have won comfortably. We, we had 70% of the ball. We had 25, 26 shots. Um, it was just just two really shit goals that we gave away. I mean, we, obviously, we took, got the leads with um, an early penalty. Soft penalty, but I think it was a penalty. You know, I mean, Barkley's gone down easily, but he has been caught. And for then, for the next sort of 10, 15 minutes after that, we were well on top. And I, to be honest, I thought we were going to absolutely hammer them. And then they get back into the game with a penalty that, okay, so I'm a Villa fan, so I'm obviously very biased, but it, for me, that was never a penalty. I, I just, there was barely, it was like the um, Richardson on Ceballos in the Everton Arsenal game. There was barely, if any, contacts. Players flung themselves to the ground. They got themselves obviously back in it. And then for the rest of the first half, actually, West Brom annoyingly played reasonably well in that. Um, but then the second half, I thought we'd sort of come out going at them again. And then their second goal, again, it's just it's another mistake from us. Lump, one, uh, Sam Johnson just lumps the ball forwards. Conza takes it down, which is fair enough, but then he slips. Obviously, let's, uh, I think it's Diagno run through. And then his shot, off, I think, was, was going wide. Tyron Mings tried to block it. It's deflected past the keeper. So, you're 2-1 down. And then for the rest of that half, Although we didn't, we didn't necessarily create any guilt-edged chances, but all of the game was played in their half. Um, El Mahamadi nearly scored an unbelievable volley, which <laughs> I'd have absolutely lost my mind about gone in. Um, what was annoying from my point of view is, is how late uh, Smith left it to make changes. And it's, it's the one thing, I, I think I've criticised on this pod before for it, and it's, it's the one thing that Villa fans kind of quite rightly can get annoyed with that he's he's not very proactive with his substitutions and he he leaves them quite late until he does anything 
He brought Keenan Davis on. Who so Keenan Davis when he came on against Fulham the other week completely changed the game for us. Uh, like he's, he's and as I said before, he's he's not a natural finisher, but he has some really good qualities in that he, his link-up play is excellent. He holds the ball up really well and he causes problems for the opposition. So we left. I think he didn't come on to the last ten minutes, and instantly after he came on, he got the, received the ball in the edge of the box. Lovely turn, but a weak shot. And he hit the post with the goalmouth scramble, and you, every Villa fans just thinking it's not gonna, it's just never gonna happen for Davis. He's never gonna get that goal. And then two minutes into stoppage time, an unbelievable piece of hesitance, dallying defending from Carl Bartley. I've not got a clue what he was doing, why he let the ball bounce and tried to take it on his chest inside his own six-yard box. I'll never understand. And uh, Big Keenan finally managed to nick in and get his, his first Premier League goal. Um, it was kind of, as I say, it's one of those games that you can look at the result in isolation and think uh, the you know, Villa just sort of coasting towards the end of the season. And I think there has been an element of that in some of the recent games. But to be fair, like the second half, as I say, it was all in Albion's half. We, we were sort of, keep, you know, we kept going all the way to the end. And the biggest thing for me and for most Villa fans, was to see um, Wesley finally come back onto the pitch. He's He's been out injured for 16 months now after Ben Mee assaulted him on New Year's Day 2020. Um, so 16 months out, it's, that's, you know, it's a hell of an injury that is that he had. So he only came on for the last four minutes. And you know, regardless of Villa fans' opinions of him as a player, and I've got to be honest, I'm not totally convinced that, that he's going to be the main man for us if we want to keep progressing. But to be out for that long, to finally get back on, onto the pitch and playing in the Premier League, it was a, it was a really nice moment for him and, and the Villa fans. Yeah, I saw your tweet about that. that was a, it's a, yeah, it's a good good story, as you say, good to see him back. I mean, Dave, much to add on, on silence, what's there? Uh, no, it was just one of those games where you kind of think like the two West Brom goals were, were very Allardyce goals where you just sat there thinking this shouldn't happen, but somehow when Sam Allardyce is sat in a dugout, strange things happen at this time of the season <laughs> and it's absolutely inexplicable. Um, like Cons has barely put a foot wrong all season, yet somehow you pick this game to give away a pen <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and all. I mean, I always find it a bit harsh when commentators they always made a mistake there when he slipped over. Like he, he hasn't made a mistake. He's got he's got the wrong studs on. I guess you know it's, yeah. not his, it's not his mistake. It's not like he's misplaced a pass. It's just unfortunate. Um, I mean, as you say, the it, it is it is an own goal for me. Like, but uh, it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, but as you say, you, you thoroughly dominated from that point on, really, and possibly should have won it um, with the number of number of chances and half chances you had. But as uh, Nick Lodian says, you've you've got to watch Keenan because Keenan will be scheming. So <laughs> <laughs> you said about uh, Comsy, you're right. He's, he's hardly put a foot wrong or in. He's been brilliant, and then so yeah, gives the penalty away, slips over, and then he nearly scored an own goal as well, which drew an unbelievable <laughs> save from Martinez. Ah, it's mad, isn't it? But I mean, hopefully that's the end of West Brom's. Little revival. Um, I I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it, to be fair, even if they'd have won that game, I still think it's quite a big gap. But I think to the psychological blow that will that'll give them as well to to concede that so late. Hopefully, that'll finish them off. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I, mean, I said the performance they put in against Leicester on Thursday night 
was so poor from a team who, like West Brom had won oh, two or three of the last games. I can't remember the exact run of form they were on, but obviously yeah. they had a bit, of a, a bit of an upturn. They were so poor. Like, they, they barely got anywhere near Leicester, who, who themselves hadn't been on, on great form. I think they'd uh, just lost to West Ham and they uh, they were just so passive. They just couldn't, didn't put a tackle in. I mean, obviously a little bit better here on, on, on Sunday night, but... Uh, I don't think complain about being relegated over the course of the season. Um, they're, they're just they're just not good enough. Um, I think the the signings they made in, in January made a bit of a difference. Uh, had they had them from the start of the season, it might have been different. And, and to be honest, if they had the exam from the start of the season, they, they probably would have stayed up. It's as horrible as to say, because um, it's just what he does, isn't it? But he just didn't, yeah. didn't have enough time to turn them around. I think that'll. Um... If uh, assuming they go down, I'd be very surprised if uh, Mateus Pereira is still with them next season because he he does look to to shine as much as he has done in a team like that. He he looks a good player. He does. He does. I, I like him a lot. Um, maybe he'll go to Wolves with all the other Portuguese players. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he he's destined for bigger things. I think for him. And if he doesn't go, then West Brom have got a great chance of coming back up next season. Um, it is funny, isn't it? I was thinking about this, you know, Dion Garner from West Ham. At the start of the season, West Ham nearly imploded because they sold him. Of course, yeah. Barely I'll buy it. He's barely made an impact at all at West Brom and West Ham are finished in fifth. And Mark Noble's still there despite, you know, kicking off the most about us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's panned out very strangely, hasn't it? <laughs> God, do you know, I'd completely forgotten about him. That's how little impact he's, he's made since he's gone to the baggies. I don't even know where he is. Has he been on the bench? Is he injured or what? I mean, he just... Honestly, I haven't got a clue. No, me neither. But there you go. He's obviously not as good as Callum Robinson. So there you, there you have it. <laughs> have I lost Ali? Or is he just dumb, dumbfounded by West Brom? I don't know. He's on mute. I've got him back. Hang on. I can, I can hear his, his corpse climbing the building. <laughs> oh, my God. There he is. is that, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. My, my laptop wouldn't come off mute. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, I had to remember and edit all this bit out. Um, oh, no. Well, guys, you did me a favour. Um, you, uh, you you moved on to the, the West Bombs chances of survival there. Um, the, the, last, the other game on the Saturday was the FA Cup. I think we'll just touch on that at the end. We'll, we'll finish the league games first and we'll come back to the FA Cup. So, the Monday night game was Leicester and Crystal Palace. Um, Leicester getting the, the win on Thursday against a, a very lackluster West Brom, as you, as you both said. Um, coming away with a 2-1 win here, which was a was a very entertaining game, I thought. Um, I, I'm, I, every time I watch Eze, 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 whatever, um, I'm really, really excited about him. I think he's a, he's a really good talent. Um, but Leicester pretty much secure in top four, Dave. Yes, um, we were you know, we were worried. You were cheering for the other teams, but we, we were worried Leic- Leicester were going to uh, blow it again. But they've come back twice as strong, really. Um, Ayanacho, since we criticised him a few months ago, as uh, I think I read a stat earlier, when February started, he had three goals this season. He's now got something like fourteen. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a a wild uh, couple of months from his goal here was. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> to put it in on that side as well, just mad. Um, 
yeah, I, over the course of the season, Leicester, Leicester deserved top four. I, I know some people don't like their manager. No names mentioned, but um, <laughs> I think Leicester have just played extremely well most of the season and, and deserve it. Um, just to touch on Palace briefly, um, a bit like the you know the Wolves scenario where they're playing players who aren't going to be there next season. Why on earth Crystal Palace spent all that money on Mateta, the striker, to sit him on the bench? <laughs> the one game he played, he scored a lovely, a lovely back heel goal. And I thought, well, that's great. Let's just leave. Let's just park you there on the bench, and you can you can sit you can sit and watch the prolific Benteke, Jordan Ayew, and uh, you know, and that's, there's no point bedding you in. You're never going to play, so just sit there and watch. Um, <laughs> it's such an odd, an odd strategy because the. They're obviously not going to go down. There's never really been any danger of going down. Um, but I don't know. Just the way Roy is, I suppose. Do you watch this one, Sai? Si? Any, any thoughts? Uh, on? Yeah, oh, sure. I, I, I just saw the second half, really. Um, I heard that Leicester probably weren't at the best in the first half. But in the second half, yeah, I, I thought they they looked pretty comfortable. Um as you mentioned, Ian Nacho, it's a great goal, that. I mean, he's... To be fair, I think I said a few weeks ago, like, I'd always liked the look of him at Man City, like, when he first sort of broke in there. But, obviously, going to Leicester and having Jamie Vardy ahead of you, it was difficult for him to just get a consistent run of games. But but now he has done. He's uh, he's shown himself to be quite a decent player. And the, the goal that he scored, like you said, the you, it's easy sometimes to look at those goals and blame the keeper and say, oh, you shouldn't get done at your near post. But sometimes it's just, if it's hit that powerfully and that early as well, you know, you haven't got time to set yourself. Wonderful goal um, from a player just banging form at the moment. And quite, quite ironic, isn't it, that uh, Harvey Barnes gets injured and uh, you know, we're saying, oh God, you know, how will Leicester going to cope with this? <laughs> yeah. And what they've done is they've just started to play two up front instead of, you know, two behind Vardy. And it's just worked. Like, Vardy and I and Atchoo have got a really good relationship. They had a, I mean, you saw, like, a couple of the one-twos in the second half. Uh, yeah. Vardy's a bit off-colour at the minute, but uh, he seems to go through these, these patches, doesn't he, where he uh, can't hit a barn door for some reason. But at least this time, he's, he's contributing, you know, assists for the most part. Um, it's... Uh, it must be, you know, nice to be able to you know, change system as, as frequently as Leicester do from... So they have to play three at the back, so they have to go with the four. Um, two up front, one up front, three up front, whatever it is. It, they, they seem to have a plan for every occasion. It, it you know works works out quite well for them. Yeah, and to be fair, it could, could help uh, prolong Vardy's career. I mean, not that he looks like he's slowing down anytime soon, but you know, it's going to get to a stage over the next year or two where you're probably going to have to manage his minutes a bit more. And if, if you can play him as a front two... It takes, you know, some of his running out the game, and then there's the option to rest him the games as well. So it, it's Leicester could have um, stumbled upon quite a nice little partnership going forward there. Well, certainly for the foreseeable, anyway. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's uh, it's they literally could both get 20 goals a season, which you don't often say about the front two. You know, like often one gets it, the other one doesn't, but they they both seem to get that many chances and that many good positions. Um, I, I Nacho might be the least selfish striker I've ever seen as well, by the way. <laughs> he uh, he tries to put goals on a plate for his mates all the time. He like, like, puts Firmino to shame. Like, he, he's unselfish. But, uh... He just falls over the ball now. He doesn't even try to play football. That's the problem. Well, yeah. <laughs> he seems, um, Nacho as well, I, 
like a couple of his interviews now that I've seen after games, he just he comes across as a really nice fella as well, doesn't he? So you kind of yeah. you, like you want it to work out for him because he just seems like a good bloke. <laughs> just on your point, Dave, that's seventeen and fifteen for the two of them this season in all competitions as well, which yeah, as you say, it's remarkable for. There's not many teams who have two players, you know, in that in that forum. Yeah, I mean, look at yourselves. I, mean, I think I saw Salah hit 20 on, on the weekend and uh, Mane and Firmino got something like 8 and 6. Like, it's, uh, you know, it's quite quite drastic how some teams have, you know, someone who just carries the goal scorer in front of them and uh, no, no one else really gets anywhere near them. But it's nice to see a bit of a throwback to having two two up there doing the job. I was, I was just going to say the exact same thing. It's like a throwback to the 90s, isn't it, where virtually every team had two strikers that would both get you well into double figures, or even lower to mid-table teams. Would you know Coventry back in the day would have Dion Dublin and Darren Huckabee who would get you 13, yeah. 14, 15 goals apiece. So yeah, it's, it's quite a nice little throwback. Yeah. Yeah, Leicester secured top four pretty much. I'd say with with the, the results Thursday in this one, um, especially after the form they've been on. Um, as you mentioned, David, like Crystal Palace have never been in trouble. Probably seven points from their start of the season target of 45. That's the that's the usual go-to. Um, but as I say, depending on who the manager is next year, you know, I think they've got quite a few out of contract, uh, yeah, yeah. so they will need quite a a rebuild. But they've got some really exciting talent there. Um, and as you mentioned, Simon as well, any actual might have just saved Leicester, you know, a, a good chunk of change in the summer. And yeah. elsewhere. Um, so that's the end of the league games. We will pop back to Saturday, Sunday. Oh, was it an FA Cup game on Saturday? Who was the other game? It was the Carabao Cup final between City oh, and Spurs. Oh, it was the Carabao Cup on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I just seen Cup. So yeah, Man City won, Spurs nil, um, in the the Carabao Cup final. Man City winning it for the fourth time in a row, or three out of four, something something like that. Uh, I still find it very strange that Spurs sacked Josie the week of a cup final. Um, I get the financial thing, which is where obviously Levy plays a massive part. But um, it's nice to see Man City just continue to take this cup serious. This, I, I won't lie, this is my favourite of the of the two cups. Um, I've never been a, a romanticist of the FA Cup. Seeing care less about it, but. I don't know, there's something about the Carabao Cup. It's quite nice. I like how it's normally finished by February, um, and I'd like to see Liverpool take it more serious. I mean, did any of you guys watch it? And I mean, Spurs were very lackluster in this, and it's a bit much a for City. Uh, I think uh, Spurs can be just. They should just be grateful that it was only one 0 <laughs> <laughs> It was. I mean, they were they were they were piss poor. I um I enjoyed Jamie Carragher's analysis of them on uh, oh it's brilliant on Monday football. <laughs> they just absolutely savaged them, um, and they fully deserved it. Like Harry Wings could absolutely, you know, put out a dry. Really, I mean, you look at some of the play he does, and you know we all joke being like oh, all he does is pass sideways and backwards. He actually literally did. <laughs> no wonder Mourinho didn't play him, and and Dombele, who has been probably you know the the most creative player this season outside of Kane and Son. Couldn't get a single minute to watch Harry Wings pass the ball backwards and sideways. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's pathetic. I kind of agree with Carrie that you can't really blame Ryan Mason because he 
he can only do so much in, in, in picking that team. It, it's not like he went out there and said, you know what, pass the ball backwards all the time. They're just throws on the big occasion, as usual. Um, and these chances don't come around that often, as, as Spurs are obviously quite <laughs> very aware of. So. I, I think um, I would say that City were very, very fortunate that their goal scorer was even on the pitch because he should have had two yellow cards in that first half. He was so lucky to escape that. Well, pro- probably, but there's no way you make the second tackle if he gets booked for the first one. Yeah, so I suppose. I, I, know so, it's, but... it's, I know it's one of those where, yes, he did commit two yellow card offences, but I think we both know that there's absolutely no way if you want a yellow card, you'd make that foul again. Yeah. And to be fair, the way that game went, even if City were down to 10 men, I'd have still fancied them to have absolutely pulverised uh, them. I mean, if they... Imagine if if Harry Kane, for example, was playing in that City team, he'd probably get 50 goals a season. The amount of chances they create oh, is he would ridiculous. Have, he, well, I mean, that's it. I mean, Pep basically takes the piss now and plays Sterling as a striker. It's like, his, <laughs> it's, like, it's like he plays his son up front because he is not a striker. Like... I like Raheem Sterling. I think he's improved a lot as a footballer over the last five years or so. But this season, between him and Mane, I don't know who's been space jammed more because like, <laughs> if you look at the numbers from previous seasons compared to this season, it's 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 much, much poorer. And uh, here, like, he, he kept getting into positions and just somehow failing to score. And that was time and time again. He just kept making you know poor choices or you know whatever whatever would happen where he wouldn't score and you think you've got two strikers on the bench just put one of them on and Pep's like mm. nah, nah, nah I'm not going to do that so. <laughs> no need save, uh, save them for the Champions League against that's Kitcher, it. Yeah. well that's it I mean Aguero can't seem to buy him in it anymore I know he seems to be perpetually injured but uh, there's no sentiment like is there it's like yeah. well oh, we're winning but no no minutes for you Serge you can just sit and watch <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if Harry Kane does fancy move to to to, to, uh, to Man City, he would probably break Shearer's record next season. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> he might even do it in, in like, the whole the whole two hundred and sixty odd in one season. To be honest, like the amount of uh, chances and, and uh, games he would play, it would be incredible. Do do we think this is Kane's last season at Tottenham? Because surely he must he must have reached the point where he's he's got to go and move on because a player of his ability. He should not end his career having won nothing. Uh, I think, I think he would like to go now. Um, I think it's quite telling that he was quite supportive of Mourinho when Mourinho got stuck. Yeah, he was, you know, on, his, on his Instagram, whatever it was, he was saying, you know, thanks, boss, and all this kind of stuff. Because um, I think they're both winners. I think, I think Kane probably understood a lot of what you know where Mourinho was coming from and from watching. Uh, Whatever it's called, the Amazon thing about Spurs. Yeah, well, nothing. Yeah. Quite, quite often, Kane was like, you know, we're not good enough. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And he was quite in tune with Mourinho. Um, he, he's the type of striker though. Well, like if he if he's not getting the service, he won't. You know, he can't do it all by himself. As much as he's tried this season to, to score and set up every goal they've got, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, he can't. It's, it's not sustainable. And I think if you're Levy. I think the Super League was his big get out of, get out of jail because I, I'm guessing their finances are in bits. Yeah. Um, so if he sells Kane for hideous amounts of money and reinvests in a few players, 
you know, that it might prolong them for a little bit, a little bit of time, but, but otherwise. The last thing they should just Yeah. It's probably depend, it might a lot more depend on what manager they start the season with. I mean, on the, the point of sacking Mourinho six days before the final and appointing Mason, I saw, to be fair, a great um, thing on Twitter. Is a Tottenham fan saying, my ass. Uh, Arsenal friends just said this would be the equivalent of us sacking Wenger six days before an FA Cup final and appointing Emmanuel Frimpong as the manager. It's <laughs> 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 spot on. It's what on earth is how's Ryan Mason been given that? Okay, I know it's only the end of the season, but surely there must be someone more qualified at that club to have taken charge of a bloody cup final. It's absolutely I, wild, isn't it? Like, Harry Keane should have been the manager for that. I stand by that. <laughs> Well, I think we joked last week. It wouldn't have been surprised, would it, if he'd been still? <laughs> he'd have been appointed assistant manager or something, put him in the dugout. Um, who do you think they'll get? Honestly, I've I've got no idea. I I can't can't think off the top of my head of anyone from from like the English game or who's been in around it in recent I know, recent years. Rogers. Yeah. You, no, no, I don't see that at all. Yeah. I, obviously, Leicester are in a far better position just now, but Spurs are still a bigger club than Leicester. Um, and Rodgers' ego is to get back to the top of the game. And I can see a bigger team taking a punt on him as a Spurs manager than a Leicester manager. I think it'd be absolutely mad to leave Leicester at the minute. I think they've got so much going for them. I, I, I think, in terms of progression and development, they're actually ahead of Spurs. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I just more meaning how they're recognised around the world. I, if assuming Leicester finish in the top four, which I think you no, know, they're, they're more than likely going to. Does I? I can't see any way that he would walk away from a from a team playing the Champions League to go to Tottenham at the moment. I, I just don't see that myself. I, I think they they might. I don't know. I, is there anyone abroad? Because as I say, there's no one. So no one that springs to mind that would either be available or that I think they could easily get from like the Premier League or manager who's been in it in the last year or two. I'd, I'd love to see I pay attention to, to foreign managers or like from well, abroad to even tell you who's highly touted or that. And... Well, the, the favourite is Eric Ten Hag, who uh, I think, is he the Ajax manager? Yeah. Oh, okay. It rings a bell. He's, now, he's obviously... I'm guessing if he's the Ajax manager and he's Dutch, he uh, will like the old technical football. Um, which, again, probably overgeneralising. I'm not really sure how he came as the ideal striker for that. But uh, then again, I think... Well, like Crystal Palace with that Dutch mentality. Well, no. Well, I, mean, I, mean, again, I think if you're giving a player Harry Kane's quality, you, would, you adapt to Harry Kane rather than... Uh, Absolutely, rather, yeah. Rather but if, you know, if the game plan is to sell Kane, to give him funds to to build his own team, then who knows? But uh, yeah, he seems to be the favourite. Not, not, not exactly odds on. Uh, I think they wanted Nagelsmann, really, didn't they? I think a lot of people wanted Nagelsmann, but uh, he's yeah. got five to do, so that's the end of that. Um, and then after that, Nuno is next in the in the, in the the odds, but... Not really I, could see, I, I could see that more than I could see Rodgers. To be honest, because you you could say that you know Nuno might be feeling that he's sort of 
done as much as he can do with Wolves, unless there's going to be major investment in the summer. Outside so, bet, Sean Dyche. <laughs> I'd love to say that, but I'd be very surprised. Harry Kane is his perfect striker. <laughs> a, a, a big man who can header the ball and score goals. Basically, the modern Alan Shearer. That is Deitch's heaven. I think Deitch's heaven is like... Andy Carroll. I was going to say Andy Carroll stuck on top of Harry Kane. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, that'll take us to the end of the football chat before it gets any more ridiculous than Andy Carroll sitting on top of Harry Kane. Um, we will turn to betting corner, which again was a miserable week for us all. Um, Simon had five teams on and two letting them down with Liverpool basically blowing it before afternoon kick, three o'clock kickoffs in. Liverpool lost, well, Drew, Brighton lost, but Cardiff, Norwich and Watford all won as a consolation Simon. Yay. Um, I had <laughs> Norwich who won, Cheltenham who won, and Gillingham and Sunderland who drew 2-2 and 3-3 respectively. So still a big fat zero for me. And Dave had Atlanta, Man City, Inter, PSV, PSG and Oxford who all won. Now, if he wasn't so greedy and went for a seven-team and just stuck with six, he would have won. But he did add Brighton in, who, as we've mentioned, lost. So, Dave, again, big zero for yourself. So, again, we'll start with you, Dave. What's your shopping this week? Can you start with Sai? I've, I've, I've not done mine. I'm, I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. Simon, so we'll start with you for this one. Okay, so I've gone for a five-team again. I have gone for Man City to beat Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. I've gone Chelsea to beat Fulham. Yep. I've gone Tottenham to beat Sheffield United. Yep. I've gone Bournemouth to beat Wickham. And I've gone Swansea to beat Derby. Uh-huh. And what's that repeat? That returns £88.30. Very conservative. Simon just somehow trying to get back into... I'm just, I'm just some trying to get something on the board. <laughs> um, I have gone for Watford, Norwich, Hull and Salford. All to win. Uh, £167.41. Somehow Watford are two to one to win, yet they are about to like be. They either are about to be or they are already promoted. They're already promoted. They got promoted so, on the weekends. No Man. idea how I managed to get two to one on them. They've been on the piss all week, mate. They're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is the only explanation. They're already up now. Uh, I have a an eightfold accumulator which has been prepared. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a lot of research. Um, so we've got Chelsea to beat Fulham. Yep. Uh, Real Madrid to beat Osasuna. I love your international. I have more luck going abroad. Yeah. Not not all the luck, but some luck. Uh, I'd like to go Madrid away at Elche, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> Inter in Milan away at Crotone. Um, PSG to beat Lens, Lons, whatever you want to say. Um, Man City to win at Palace. Uh, Sporting Lisbon to beat National. And uh, is it Alkmaar to win at uh, RKC Walwick? Wal- 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 yep, that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, and, that, that, <laughs> and that is 
8.56 to 1 or £95.60 from a tenner. So for anybody keeping track, Simon is on minus £100. Fucking hell. Including this week's bet, in fairness, Simon. He is on minus £1.83. And I am on minus £5.00. Yeah, so, oh my yes, yeah. It didn't, it didn't it didn't come in tonight. I was looking look, looking out for uh, Brentford and whoever it was. Rotheringham Rochdale begin it began with an R. But Brentford won one 0 which let my bet down. So um from being the winner to now sitting in second place in the in a space of ninety minutes. Um, fair old let me down. Anyway, chaps, that takes us to the end of the week. Simon, uh, you've been podcasting writing this weekend? I have, yes. Yeah, so on Twitter, at Cy O'Regan. And then for any video fans, the Holtcast podcast and 7500 to Holt is the website to check out the articles I've been writing. And David, for yourself, what chap man and football manager exploits have you out? Uh, so the Champ Man on the Post episode 13 was released uh, last week, um, so that's out now. Um, be in your feed if you subscribe to Man on the Post, or you can find it on the website, which is cm9798.co.uk, uh, or I'm on Twitter, uh, at cm9798. And you can get us at Man on the Post on all your social media platforms. Um, Chris keeps them well updated. Um, you will find all our podcasts if you subscribe to us, as Dave just kindly said. You'll get the, the review show uh, and 11 Pieces of Me. And I believe there was a Football Manager podcast released this week as well. Could be wrong. I'm sure I've seen that. If not, look back at the old ones and we will have a new one out for you soon. Um, and then obviously Chris and the gang will be out with extra time on Friday mornings. Sorry for this one being a bit late this week, but... Um, I'm on holiday for a fortnight, so I got a bit lazy. <laughs> I, had, I had lost track of days after day one, so that bodes well. Um, we will be back next week to cover the weekend's game, which I believe you are missing, aren't you, Simon? I am, yes. Yeah, I'm away next weekend. So we will get a stand-in guest um, for, for me and myself and Dave, but we won't let you down. We will be back. Um, I mean, Dave can move house and, and not miss a show, but, you know... Simon's priorities and all that. (laughs) Anyway, chat, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, lads. And always remember, keep your man in the post.